Welcome to Horizon at Home. If we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors of Horizon Church. And if this is your first time worshiping with us, please fill out our online connection card because we would love for you to join us in shining light and igniting change in our community. Today, we're kicking off a brand new message series called Curveball, when life doesn't meet your expectations. And I don't know about you, but nothing really has met my expectations of the last four months. It's been a, a wild and crazy experience being under quarantine and lockdown. Um, and just as things have continued to grow crazy in our, in our world and in our country, um, nothing has met my expectations. And this is a series that I needed in my own life. And so I hope God will do something in your heart and in your mind over the next three weeks as we, we dig into to what does God say when things don't go as we planned. Um, today we're going to jump right in and I'm going to talk about the Old Testament prophet Elijah. Elijah is, is a super cool dude. He's a prophet that's found in the book of 1 Kings. Um, and he really uh, grew up in a time that, that was very tumultuous. Um, there was, was, was terrible leader after terrible leader in Israel. And now in Elijah's lifetime, there is King Ahab. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, King Ahab is really like the worst king in all of Israel. And he, he's married uh, to this woman named Jezebel. She's the queen, and she's pretty awful herself. Um, but Elijah is just a, an all-star of all-stars. He comes from this no-name town. You can't find it on a map, but God calls him to be a prophet. And he then he just puts off this highlight reel of, of following after God. There's just so many things that are so cool with stories in Elijah's life. He proclaims this, this drought to, to King Ahab and Queen uh, Jezebel. Uh, he raises a little boy from the dead. He outruns a horse-drawn chariot for 18 miles. He confronts the false prophets on Mount Carmel. He calls down from heaven fire. Like, he is a cool dude, and there's some cool stories about the life of Elijah. And so we meet Elijah here today in chapter 19 of 1 Kings. So if you've got your Bible nearby, go ahead and open it up. If you got it on your phone, open that up as well. A lot, uh, 1 Kings 19, and we'll start at the second verse here. Um, so it says, so Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. And so you're, you're thinking, Elijah has just done all these amazing things. He's raised a little boy from the dead. He can outrun a, a horse on chariot for 18 miles. He can call down fire from heaven. He would be like, no problem. Like, God's on my side. God's got my back. Like, bring it. Bring it, Jezebel. But what does he do? What does he do in this moment of either fight or flight? Elijah, who's just done amazing thing after amazing thing. This is what he does in, in verse 3. He says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went down to Beersheba, a town in Judah. So this is like the complete opposite side of the world for, for where Elijah is right now. He, he's up in the north, and now he's heading way far south. And he left his servant there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed there that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. I mean, he sits down under this tree, and he's exhausted, and he's tired, and he's burnt out at this moment. His heart and his mind are, are not right, and he's burned out. And so this is, what, this is what happens next to him. It says in verse 5 here, it says, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there was beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. 
So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. And so the first thing that God does right here in this moment, when when Elijah is all burned out, is offer Elijah some comfort. The opportunity to, to, to sleep, to rest, and some food and water for his stomach. You know, I, I, I want to think that, that God would, would give him a lecture right here. Like, Elijah, don't you understand? Like, I've been faithful to you, like, time after time after time after time. And now you're, you're running away. You're not trusting in me. Like, get your, get, like get, get your stuff back together and head back to where I sent you. But God in this moment doesn't give him a lecture. God offers him grace, rest, and food in this moment. That's, that's, that's what we often need. We don't, we don't need a lecture from God. God doesn't offer a lecture. God offers us the comfort that we need right here in this moment. The, the Christian author, Kerry uh, Newell, he, he writes a lot on leadership development. And one of the things he says is that, that Christian discipleship, that 70% of Christian discipleship is a good night's sleep. Um, just think about that for a moment. Let that, let that sit in. 70% of discipleship is a good night's sleep. Because what, what, what happens after we don't sleep well? We start making poor decisions. We anger those that we love the most, our friends, our family. We start ha- creating those, those patterns of self-destruction because we're not taking care of ourselves. We're not sleeping. And that's what God offers right here in this story to Elijah, to rest, to rest. Because God knows his, his heart and his mind aren't right. So his heart and his mind will never get right if we don't also first take care of his bodily needs. And then this is, this is what God says through this angel. So he got up and he ate and drank. And the food he gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is that, that famous mountain that, that God spoke to Moses on. That God brought down the law it's the mountain of God, and he's telling him to go there. And he's going to take 40 days and 40 nights to travel there. And I, I think this 40 days and 40 nights is an intentional time because we know that, that Elijah's burned out. And he's now got some, some water, some food, some rest. But yet it's still not getting at the, the real question of what's going on in Elijah's life. He needs that 40 days of traveling, 40 days and 40 nights of walking with God, of asking, what's, what's really going on in your heart, Elijah? If I, I don't know about you, but this time of, of quarantine, of, of social distancing, has felt like a lot longer than 40 days, to be honest with you at this point. Um, but I haven't used it all well. I don't, maybe it's just me, but I have not used it all well to ask, what are you doing in my life right now, God? What are you doing? Where are you emerging new things? Because I, I'm probably more like Elijah. Um, I want to be driven. I want to be productive. I want to get things done. I don't want to take 40 days. I want to I want to take it maybe, I'll take four days at most, maybe four hours, right? I, I'll give you four hours, God, and I'll focus on that. Four minutes maybe. But God says to Elijah, 40 days and 40 nights you'll travel. You'll travel with me, reflecting on who you are, because there's a journey ahead and there's something I need you to do. And so in this moment, he walks with God. And I I love this question. When Elijah gets there, after 40 days and 40 nights of walking with God and traveling to Mount Sinai, Elijah gets there. He gets to Mount Sinai. And this this is what God says to him in this moment. 
are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? And it's like, I want to be Elijah and answer this question like, God, you, you told me to come here. Remember that? You told me to come here. But I think God is is, got, is asking something more in this question. He's, he's really asking, Elijah, what, what have you learned in that journey here? What have you learned from that moment when you knew you were burned out and you needed some rest and you needed some water and you ran away? What have you learned in those last 40 days? What are you doing here? And this is the answer that Elijah gives back to God. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. And I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Right? Here in this moment, this is the story that, that Elijah is stuck in. He's stuck in this story that, that it's all up to him. He's the only one, and everyone now is out to get him. Everyone is out to get him. So I, I want to give you this definition of what, a, what burnout is. This is from the Mayo Clinic. Burnout is a state of physical or emotional exhaustion that involves a sense of reduced accomplishment and loss of personal identity. See, right right here now, Elijah the prophet has ran from where God has called him to be. He's lost that sense of, of his, his identity and his work. He now has no accomplishment. And I don't know about you, but I, I have felt this, right? Reduced accomplishment and loss of personal identity. It's been tough to work, right? It's been tough to, to feel like I'm checking off the boxes each week. I've struggled a little bit with this, right? Because so much of my life is wrapped up in my job, of being a pastor and when I'm at home it's it's hard to connect with you and it's it feels even more distant when I'm only reaching out and doing this online it's been hard for me I, I've I've felt this reduced accomplishment per, and loss of personal identity it's caused me to feel emotionally and physically exhausted right our lives have have brought up this sense we've been a thrown a curveball right life is not going as we expected right we have not accomplished much in the last four months. It feels like every day uh, seems like Groundhog's Day. It's a struggle to get what we need done when we're at home, when maybe we're surrounded by children all day, when we're socially isolated, when those relationships lose our personal identity. I don't know about you, but I can think back over those times in my life where maybe I was trying to make the team and I was trying to be bigger and faster and stronger, and those summer conditioning workouts led to that loss of identity when I didn't make the team. Or maybe it was that relationship that we've poured all of our, our hope into, we've poured it all into that relationship and that person still walks out the door. Or maybe it's a, it was when we poured all of our life savings into this dream, into the dream, this dream business that was gonna, gonna do so well and all of it now seems to be in question. And it leaves us angry and frustrated. Angry and frustrated, just like Elijah. Angry and frustrated so much that we want to run away because we're burning out, right? Because we're burning out. And I, I think there's one sign that, that we're really beginning to burn out is when we begin to isolate. And I know this is probably a little odd right now because we're social distancing. We're trying to keep, you know, under groups of 10 or less, right? But here's this thing in this story of Elijah. Elijah, when he first gets afraid, he flees, right? He flees there in verse 3. And what it says, it, he said he left his servant there when he flees. 
Elijah went off on his own. And th- here's the thing, when we're socially distanced, when we're isolated, we can probably convince ourselves of anything. When we start talking to ourselves alone in a room, we convince ourselves of anything. And here's the story that, that Elijah convinced himself of. It's that story that he keeps repeating back to God, that, that he is the only one left. He is the only one that can carry out this work of God. And he, he's walking right up to this cliff uh, of self-destruction. Um, if you ever read Jim Hatmaker, she talks a little bit about this, that if we don't have other people around us talking to us, that we're going to literally not even recognize that we're walking up to a cliff, uh, that cliff of self-destruction, and we're going to walk right off. And that, that's exactly what burnout is. If we're isolated from other people in such a way that they're not able to speak into us to help us to recognize the ways in which we're self-destructing, we're going to walk right off that cliff. So in the midst of, of social distancing, how do we avoid burnout? How do we handle burnout, right? And so I was thinking back over the last year, and um, one of the things that I've really missed is running. I, I haven't been able to train in quite the same way um, to run. I've enjoyed running half marathons before, running full marathons. Um, and la- last fall, I think it was in October, there's a guy named Kichogi, and Kichogi, he did something absolutely amazing. He broke this, what some people thought was literally impossible, broke the two-hour barrier for a full marathon, 26.2 miles, 26.2 miles. He ran in under two hours. He ran in like one hour, 59 seconds, and one hour, 59 minutes, and like 40 seconds, right? That's like a 435 pace, a 435 pace per mile. Like I literally couldn't run one mile at that pace. That is like absolutely insane that he ran 26.2 miles at that pace. Um, and here's the thing. It, people literally thought it was impossible, physically impossible to do this, and he did it. Um, and here's the thing. Here's how he did it. He had um, a pace car that ran, that drove in front of him that shot back a laser, that shot back a laser to mark the exact spot that he needed to be to keep the pace to break the two-hour barrier. So the first thing he did is he needed to know the pace that he ran. And so I think so often right now, we're trying to juggle so many things and we're not being able to keep pace with life. We're, we're working 16-hour days, right? Because we're trying to parent, we're trying to work, we're trying to be good family members and we're taking care of people. And we literally just can't keep the pace. We have to recognize that we've got to adjust the pace. We've got to adjust the pace. In our life. And the second thing that they did so that Kijogi could make the two hour is he ran with other professional runners. Some of these people were, were, were other competitors. They were world record holders. They were Olympians that just like him. They were other great ran, runners that ran alongside him. They would switch him in and out so they would always stay fresh. Um, and what they did is they literally ran in a formation to reduce the drag to reduce the wind resistance. They ran out in front of him, they ran behind him, and he ran in the middle of this pack. And they encouraged him in this way so that he could make this extraordinary accomplishment of breaking the two-hour marathon. And here's the thing. This is what God does in Elijah's life. When you keep reading here, when you read down into verse 16, it says that God is going to appoint Elisha. Elisha as a prophet to replace Elijah. And then this is the final thing that God says, yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel 
who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. God's adjusting the pace. God's giving Elijah another prophet that will replace him. He adjusts the pace here in his life. And not only does he adjust the pace, he now also shares the weight. Elijah, you keep telling yourself the same story because you've been in isolation by yourself. You tell the same story that it's only you. It's only up to you. But here's the thing. There are 7,000 other people that I'm going to use. 7,000 other people. He adjusted the pace and shared the weight. Just like Kajogi did to break the two-hour marathon. There was a pace car that helped him keep the, the right pace. And there were other runners around him that shared that weight. So how this week, how this week can you adjust the pace? I think for some of you, it literally might just be turning off the TV, turning off the news, putting your phone down, spending some intentional time with God, spend some intentional time with family. Maybe it means jumping on a Zoom call with friends and not just for work. How are we adjusting the pace this week? And if we're going to share the weight, we've got to admit that we can't do it alone. It's not all up, not all up to us. We've got to adjust the pace and share the weight this week. Would you pray with me? God of extraordinary, God of, of miracles, God of awesomeness. We read these stories of Elijah of doing so many amazing things, but yet we, we can recognize, we feel with Elijah that we are afraid and scared. We're angry and frustrated that, that we are burnt out, that we have, have exhausted our, our physical, our emotional lives right now. But God, we pray today, speak new life into us. Help us this week to slow down, to adjust the pace of life that we're living right now. And God, bring those people around us to share the weight. Help us to admit that we cannot do it on our own. We pray this in Christ's name.